Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Chewing the Gristle, a podcast of doom and destruction. I'm your host, Greg Cock, Gregory Cockery, or the Gristle Man, if you will. We're going to have extemporaneous conversations with a variety of very powerful musical friends. We're going to converse about life, liberty, and the pursuit of musical savagery. Is that wrong? I don't think so. So tune in. Brought to you by our friends at Wildwood Guitars of beautiful Louisville, Colorado. Fishman Transducers of the majestic and powerful community known as Andover, Massachusetts. Can you dig it? On this episode of Chewing the Gristle, we are going to sit down with one of the new potentates of plectrum-fueled skullduggery, a young man who's playing, I noticed online, along with hundreds of thousands, if not millions of other people that he's entranced with his musicality, melodic sensibility, and mastery of the instrument, the mighty Mateus Asado. Let's sit down and rap with this crazy cat. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're here with the mega Mateus Asado, who uh, I discovered, like most people, on the inner Google on Instagram. One day I'm Uh-oh. scrolling down, I see this fellow playing, and all of a sudden my head just went. <laughs> I just thought, what the heck is going on here? There was so much stuff, like in a 10 second period of time that went by with just beautiful chord inversions cool but tasteful flashy little morsels just to punctuate things and so on and so forth i said who is this dude and discovered like so many other people uh the phenomenon the phenomenon phenomenon anyways just uh become a huge fan ever since and i was so gassed that we got to play with each other that sounds weird we got to jam with each other and <laughs> <laughs> thanks better. so much for joining us where are you right now are you are you back in brazil yeah so yeah so i'm i'm actually in brazil i'm at my girlfriend's place this is an, an amazing wall by the way i like so, it it's majestic yeah so yeah so i'm here um since march actually i remember um so in the in the end of February, I went to Indonesia to play at this jazz festival called Java Jazz. And I remember when I came back to Los Angeles, it was like all apocalyptical with this. You know, right. you remember that all the, you know, the, the paper toilets and everything was gone. And I was like, dude, what the frick's going on? Right. And that that kind of freaked me out. I was like, geez, what should I do? And then my mom was all scared as well. And, you know, all my family, they're just like, yo, what's up? You know, like. Yeah, get out of there now. (laughs) So I, yeah. So I decided to to come back to Brazil. And I remember a day after I landed in Brazil, American Airlines and all like the the big uh, travel companies from America, uh, they pretty much canceled all the international flights. So I was like, dang it, that was right on time. But yeah, so I'm kind of stuck here because now that things are getting bad here, so now we can't go, I can't go back to the US. So right. <laughs> it seems that I'm going to stay here for a little more, but <laughs> Yeah, but, these know. are definitely, definitely strange times without a yeah. doubt. But thankfully we met this year, dude. At yeah, the, absolutely. At the NAMM show and uh 
Wow, that was definitely a moment for me because you know. Uh, so you told me that you you found me on Instagram, and uh, I know this sounds very lame for my part, but I when I found you, it was actually when you did a reveal of my signature model, and I was like, oh my gosh, man, my guitar never got that played so well before uh, I, I don't know about that but that's I, a great guitar i mean that was I, one of those things where i started playing it it just it uh it had wow. all the uh the things i like in a guitar so i really uh, i really felt at home in it plus i knew it was your guitar so i better play it good <laughs> uh, i'm that serious it sounded so amazing that i was like dang like what a shame because i I, this is the first time that I'm hearing Greg playing and wow. And then the sir guys made us the connection and then thankfully it worked out and we had that little jam moment. And uh, it's crazy because I do get a lot of uh, feedbacks from that jam all the time. People don't just like, dude, I love the flow and all those things. It was just amazing, man. Playing with you was a lesson learned. I was just like, dang it. Every time you're just, coming up with a different motif or, you know, all your informations, you're just like, Oh my gosh, what is going on? It was so beautiful. And oh, uh, likewise, my friend, it was, I, it was uh, inspirational to get to play with you and hopefully we'll do it again. I really hope so, man. I really hope so. But yeah. How's everything with you guys? Uh, everything's okay. You know, um, I have four kids and uh, of which you're all, <laughs> I'm old enough to be your dad at this particular juncture <laughs> time, but my my oldest is actually a year younger than you are. So he's the one oh, that wow. plays drums with me. So you see him in a few of the videos and our gig videos and whatnot. Uh, but all of the kids are home now. So we're, uh, oh, wow. uh, it's a full house. <laughs> we kind of have to divvy up who's doing what during the day because my, my wife's working up in the attic and I've got uh, another uh, daughter that's working from home and then one's going to summer school and one plays sax and is a, is a jazz camp. You know, so there's all kinds of stuff going on. But it's it's yeah. fun. I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, a, a, a few months back before the uh, the pestilence hit, I had one kid at home. And he was working all the time. I was like, oh, my God, I'm almost an empty nester. And then kapow, they're all back home and probably will be for the foreseeable future. But it's it's fun. I'm sure we'll all look back at this and go, remember that one time where we were all at home together for a year? <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, we feel the same way. My mom, especially, she was always missing me the most because I'm the only kid that left Brazil. Okay. So, yeah, so I was the first one. And she was always like, oh, my gosh, I miss you. And now that I'm back, so she's just like, well, if there is at least one thing to consider positive on this is the fact that you're back home because now, you know, I'm just spending so much time with her, with, you know, my parents. So it's just crazy because, you know, especially after the meals, after lunch or dinner, we always spend a lot of time on the table just like speaking about like random stuff and it's at least for me it's so nice to have that that family time because uh it's been seven years since i moved moved to la so right. i don't remember having that moment those moments so constantly you know right. so it was it's actually a good moment for me especially like for this family uh atmosphere so at least that you know but i totally agree with you i i'm pretty sure probably you know Five years, ten years later, we're gonna be like, 
Well, remember that year. Right. So that's 2020, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think one of the things that's probably uh, fortunate for both of us is that so much of our stuff is done online. And so a lot of what you did, you could still keep doing. Am I right? Because you've still been posting videos and stuff from where you're at. Totally. Right. Yeah. At least it, it's kind of crazy for me, honestly, because on this year in particular, I I remember like when it was like beginning of 2000, uh, at the end of 2019, I was like, okay, cool. 2020 is going to be the year where I'm not going to post much okay. on, on online because I, I still carry this weight of, um, not releasing anything. So I don't have any album. I, I don't have any, any music out. And I, I was planning big time on, uh, releasing something this year. So I, <clears throat> I had all this scheduled for this year. So right after NAM, I played in Indonesia, but then when I, uh, I was supposed to have a lot of, uh, uh songwriting, songwriter sessions. And, uh, and unfortunately that couldn't happen. So it was kind of like frustrated in a bit, but then I was like, oh, well, at least it's not something that I'm, that I need to get adapted, you know, because I'm, you know, that's what I do pretty much. I know I, I tour with some artists here and there, but, uh, you know, playing on and, and making videos is something very, uh, a regular in my schedule, you know? So I was like in my routine. So to me, it was nothing that crazy, you know, like in terms of adaptations and something like that. So to me, it was pretty much like, okay, yeah, just keep doing this for another year and everything should be fine. But you know, I'm it's still- interesting Because I, I was thinking about, you know, your, your posts online and um, sometimes you do them with other people, but most of the time it's just you playing and, it just sounds glorious. And I was thinking, you know, cause a lot of times I, when I do videos online, uh, it's just me playing. And, mm -hmm. um, and for years, you know, I had tons of records out with, you know, my various bands that I've done and so on and so forth. But people are like, man, I just enjoy hearing you just sit and play guitar. Sometimes I just, you know, put them in a, a, a loop and just listen to and I'm thinking, you gotta be kidding me. I've worked my ass off to to put records together and me noodling is what does it for you. But I was wondering, did you ever think about, because your, your tunes that you do are so beautifully arranged as a solo. Did you ever just think of just putting out a record of a collection of the stuff you've already done, or at least, you know, maybe, I mean, cause I think that would be something that people would eat up in a heartbeat. You know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of like a Instagram sessions kind of thing, right? Exactly. As an album. Uh, honestly, I actually thought of that a lot but it's just crazy like in terms of creativity sense uh my mind got a little stuck this is actually a confession uh because so here's what happened when i when i started posting videos on instagram which was around 2013 14 uh my mind was very open i was just like oh whatever i feel you know it felt like a diary uh you know, like a, like a recorder, like, uh, like a cell phone recorder. I was just like, instead of just using my, my record app here, I was just like, why not just film the whole thing? Right. So I remember just putting the camera and setting the camera there and just playing around and whatever it was good. I was just shop it and like, okay, cool. This is great. I think it could work out. And I remember I was getting bigger and bigger feedbacks. So that kind of, made my mind to 
start organizing things a little bit better. So everything was just like, okay, cool. I have one minute to come up with something. So my, my sense of creativity was getting driven of a sense of, a sense of an organization. So everything was just like, okay, cool. Let's try to come up with a part A, part B, you know, those things. So with that being said, so it was kind of like, I started with something totally open-minded, all free, do whatever you want. And gradually things are just like, okay, cool. How can I short this in one minute? How can I make this pleasurable in a one minute thing? Like something that has more sense, you know, not about like just noodling. And with that being said, it was crazy because um, when I finally decided to come up with an album, which was uh, uh, last year, I, I remember struggling so hard on like, oh, how can I make this longer instead of just a one minute piece? Right. And it was crazy because I was just like, oh, man, I think that's it. I can't go longer because everything started to sound so repetitive. Everything was just like, oh, this is boring. This is whatever. And uh, and this is actually what, what kind of happens to me because as soon as I post a video, I don't want to touch it anymore. Like, right. and, it, and, it, and that's kind of crazy because when I do my clinics or workshops, whatever, people always ask about videos and they're always like, whatever question is, they're just like, Hey, could you show us how to play this? And I'm always like, gosh, I don't remember because I, I kind of got this attitude of, uh, okay. I post it. Okay. That's an old thing. So sure, I get that. On. Absolutely. But, <laughs> because, you know, I believe you, I mean, there's, I mean, we always, practice i mean at least to me now that i'm kind of have this more organized sense of posting so i sometimes i practice sometimes i'm like okay let me practice this before i post it so it's something already like that you set and um you kind of got annoyed by it because you're just like oh man i played this so many times so whatever i just don't want to touch this again but uh yeah so it was kind of weird so for me I'm like, okay, long story short, it's like I'm trying to organize my creativity sense in two ways. Like one that is just for the internet, like a virtual content, and another thing just like, okay, this is an album thing. Right. So it's been a little complicated, but thankfully, the more I put this into action, the better I feel, I start feeling about it. So to me, it's been a challenge season but thankfully thankfully things are working out better um i so i decided first to have more people to collaborate with me and this is when i i mentioned about having the songwriting collaborations and the songwriting sessions and now that we can have physical meetings so it's back on my own so i'm trying to organize this by myself which is a little bit challenge as well because Here's like my sense of creativity, the way I, how I normally uh, come up with something, it's kind of like a storytelling. Sometimes I don't, I don't see like the, how can I say, like uh, the hook, you know? And I remember when I was having uh, some sessions with uh, people in the UK, it was great because I I met this producer and I was just like noodling, kind of like what we do. And he was just like, wait, 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 wait a second play this again. 
And I, to me, I had no freaking clue what was going on. And it was like, no, no, no this is a hook. We got to separate this. Right. So I know that uh, I need a producer by my side to like kind of control me in a way like, okay, this is good. Oh, this is not too good. You know? So for me, I, I'm, I'm totally, I'm totally fine with having another person to tell me what is a good part to shop to, to, you know, to pick the best parts. But, uh, yeah, but I, I mean, I, dang it. I totally fell away from your question initially. That's all right. No, it's all good. I, Cause I was going to ask you about your process and you kind of, you yeah. kind of touched on all of those things. So. But it's pretty much a very storytelling and sometimes you just need to grab one little thing. It's going to be all right, you know, but, um, yeah, so, to, but I, I definitely, uh, I think about it, uh, not for now because my plan as an artist is to have, uh, collaborations. You know, I want to have songs with vocals, songs with lyrics alongside my guitar parts. Right. So that's like my biggest challenge at the moment, but I'm definitely not uh, throw away my instrumentals, but I'm pretty sure when is the right time to release a bunch of those. I I'm definitely going to save those ideas because people, there's a couple of videos that people really, they keep bugging me in a good way of like, dude, this <laughs> gotta, this gotta turn up as a song. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I know. I'm just waiting on the right time. But yeah, I, I, I definitely think about it. How so about are you? you? Are, are you real? Um, Cause I going into this uh, quarantine, especially, I mean, my idea is I've, I've kind of prided myself on the fact of my technology at home is like basically doing demos and maybe garage band, but usually just on my iPhone, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so all of a sudden, you know, my son is up the game. He bought a new computer and we got everything mic'd up and so on and so forth. And but begrudgingly, I'm learning the process and we're to the point where we can actually record something here. And this room really sounds good. I mean, the drums sound majestic. Yeah. So how about you? Are you, are you real studio savvy? Do you, do you have a setup at home that you feel comfortable in recording stuff to the level of uh, releasing or are you not that guy? Well, I definitely have a better structure when I'm in LA because, you know, it's so easier to ship stuff there. And, uh, and I remember when I came back, to Brazil, I kind of had this uh, urgent uh, gear. So I was just like, oh my gosh, what should I take to Brazil? So I didn't have too much to bring. So I kind of had to use a lot of uh, cleverness to, to, uh, to pick the right things. So I, I brought my uh, aux, the universal audio thing, mm -hmm. and uh, a, a Bogner head. So okay. that those are the only pieces of gear that I brought to Brazil this time because I was like, okay, because in Brazil I don't have too much gear, and I had I was like, dude, I want to keep the my recording game on, so at least I could have those things. So I'm using the best I can at the moment, but I know I can still come up come up with a good sounding sure with with these two pieces of gear. So. Even though I don't consider myself a good studio guy, I take a lot of time. Like my, I have, I don't know, it's very complicated for me to have, I mean, my timing is a, is a little weird. I, I 
I have no problem to say that. Uh, and uh, we all know, I mean, Tim Pierce is always like, I mean, I, I met Tim Pierce a couple of times and uh, he always mentions about when you are, when you are in a studio session, you got to be fast. You know, you got to be like, you got to come up with good parts in a short amount of time. Right. So, and unfortunately that's something that doesn't happen too often to me. I kind, I, to me, I take a little bit more time to, to come up with better parts. So, so I don't consider myself a good studio guy, but I, I love recording stuff. It's a paradox, but I, but I, I believe in case if I, you know, just get a, huge inspiration season and i i'm like dude i'm gonna record this i think i i could definitely be able to record something even though i'm here in brazil i think that could be a possibility excellent yeah. you know i was going to ask you uh the so you went to la to go to musicians institute when you were 19 right so yeah. when you went there how evolved were you as a as a guitarist artist at that point um and and what things did you learn from there uh to evolve to the place where you're at now was because i it, it i think it changes for a lot of people i know a lot of people not a lot of people but some of the people i know that have gone out there they had developed to the point where they they were kind of confident in what they did and they went to musicians institute but it was almost more to just be an out in la to hopefully get discovered as opposed to learn stuff you know yeah <laughs> you know what i mean totally. so i'm curious as to your process were you already um you were developed to the point and you went to the school there and you learned x y and z to get to your at now or, or where would you describe that that whole process <clears throat> i think that was a very uh important uh time of my life because the only um, thing that I had before that, before 19 years old, it was just private lessons. Okay. And it was something very casual, you know, I didn't know much about theory and uh, I didn't have too much discipline as well. So for me, uh, going into music school and uh, of course overseas and not knowing, you know, the basics of the the language and all of those things. So kind of put me in a, uh, out of my comfort zone. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, cool. This is my reality. This is what I want to do for real as a professional. So let me just focus as much as I could. And, um, so I learned pretty much all the alphabet pretty much. Like I, I had the only thing that I remember like knowing uh, in, in a, in a theory sense was just like the chords mm-hmm. and two shapes of pentatonics. So okay. minor pentatonic. I didn't even know about this relative thing about a minor C major kind of yeah. thing. So to me, I was just like, no, this is different notes and different, you know, ideas. But anyway, so, and, uh, even like the cage, it cage, it, I forgot. The yeah, cage cage system. System, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that, that was a game changing. And that's what I learned on the first quarter. And I was like, oh my gosh. And because with all that, I was just like, oh wow. So everything is pretty much connected. So I can pretty much connect and play the whole neck, the whole, like all the notes. So I I, I learned so much in terms of theory and um, 
different diff, uh, learning different styles of music as well. So uh, country music's not something common right. here in Brazil, uh, even though we have a similar ish style. But like like the country guitar music, I was like, wow, and uh, and the 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 first concert that I went when I moved to LA was Brad Paisley. Okay. So like the first big concert and that changed my life because I was like, dang, this guy, I know like he plays pop country songs, but he freaking nails guitar solos, right. guitar parts. And uh, so having the knowledge of, you know, appreciate different styles of music, such as country music, R&B and those things uh, opened my mind in a, such a big uh way that I was like, wow, this is, um, I'm very, very grateful for, uh, being in a music school and, you know, knowing people from different parts of the, the world. And, um, yeah. So to me, I, I was like almost no, I mean, everything that I learned was, uh, by year before I moved to LA and going to music school to MI and, uh, MI gave me all those per perspectives to myself. So, so I what kind of music were you into uh, prior to getting to um, to L.A. And, and immersing yourself out there? What kind of music were, did you grow up listening to, inspired you originally, and all that kind of stuff? Um, well, my – so I don't have any family members that are uh, – that, that chose music as a, a career. Mm -hmm. uh, but my mom – was my first connection to music because she used to play uh, at her church. So she was like, a, what's the name of this? Uh, she was like a lead worship at her, at her okay. church, yeah. her hometown church. And uh, so she, she knows pretty much how to play uh, guitar and piano. And uh, so she was the, the one who recommended me like, Oh, learn this chords and blah, blah, blah. And, my first connection to music was with with uh, religious music, so it was Christian music, and this is how I grew up uh, listening. And then a cousin of mine introduced me to a couple of uh, rock bands in Brazil, and then I I start checking a little bit more on Google and YouTube, and I discovered Dream Theater. And this uh -huh. is when things kind of got a little bit more into techniques and, uh, you know, like the, the shredding concept of it. And I remember uh, John Petrucci led me to uh, discover Steve Vai, Joe Satriani, and, um, and then Eric Johnson and all those, the G3. Sure. You know, the G3 so, gang. <laughs> yeah. So it was pretty much Christian music. And then I'm, I start listening a little bit more of rock slash progressive music. And then I move into the instrumental concept. And this is when I found out about, you know, Paul Gilbert, Petrucci, all these guys, the G3 guys. And um, yeah, this is, was, this, this was me before uh, MI, but actually two years before I moved to LA, which was in 2011, um, 
a friend of mine also introduced me to John Mayer. So he showed okay. me the the Where the Light Is live DVD. So that also gave me a whole different chapter in my guitar playing. Because I was like, oh, wow, playing strats are cool. You know? Yes. Like, this, is, <laughs> this is cool, too. Strats so, sound good. <laughs> yeah. So, and, um, yeah, and it's kind of interesting because I know there's no rules for that, but it's kind of typical to hear that, oh, yeah, I started listening to Steve Ray, Jimi Hendrix, all, like, you know, the old school guys. Sure. And to me, it was kind of the opposite way. So I, I, you know, like the modern guitar players first. And then I, so for example, John Mayer, after listening to John Mayer, this is when I start found, finding out about uh, Jimi Hendrix and Steve sure. Ray. You know, so that but was, I think that's, that's, you know, that makes sense though, because everyone is into the, the music that's popular at, at their time. Uh, I mean, I certainly didn't find out about Albert King, BB King, Freddie King, Otis Rush until, you know, because uh, it's because of Clapton and, and, uh, and Hendrix and, and, and those guys. So, um, it's, it's not unusual. I mean, uh, you know, there's a lot of people who, you know, when you're an old curmudgeon, um, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of people who are like, Oh, John Mayer. And I'm like, yeah, but John Mayer is great. He's, he sings great. He's got great songs and he plays very, very well. And for a lot of people, including yourself, that was their entree into that music. So it's, you know, it's a generational thing, but he, he's fantastic. I think what's weird for a lot of people, well, no, it's, it's, it's pretty much the same as it's ever been. There's always, everyone's standing on the shoulders of somebody else to mm-hmm. move the ball down the line a little bit. You, you evolve it a little bit past the point. And, and, um, and certainly when you listen to John Mayer, you're like, well, yeah, he's doing that Hendrix song and he's doing it, but, but yeah, yeah. he's doing it in a modern way. It was kind of like when, when Stevie Ray Vaughan came out, um, I remember I was a sophomore in high, no, I was a junior in high school when that record came out and, and it blew my mind because I was totally into Hendrix. I was totally into Albert King, totally wow. into T-Bone Walker, all these different guys that, that, you know, I could hear so prevalent in his playing and the tone was magnificent. Uh, but then you met a lot of people that they love Steve Ray Vaughan, but yet they're like, well, they couldn't hear the connection between him and Albert King wow. and they couldn't hear, well, Hendrix is sloppy. But, mm. but Stevie Ray is great. But I think it's just a matter of, you know, whatever you're exposed to first and plus the sound quality, modern production, the way it sounds, it, it, you, you perceive it differently. So when you listen back to stuff, when, you know, recording was different, it was kind of, like, I always do the story of like, you know, when you hear Crossroads by, uh, uh, you know, Clapton playing with Cream, it's like one of the most epic electric guitar solos of all time. And you see mm-hmm. it's written by Robert Johnson, this legendary old blues guy. And you're like, apparently this guy sold his soul to the devil in order to achieve ah, unbelievable yeah. guitar skills. You're like, holy cats, I can't wait to hear the original because if the Clapton version is that great and this other cat sold his soul to the devil, that version's got to be unbelievable. And then when you finally get it and you put it on, it's like, you're like, this guy sold his soul for that. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of those things where, and then of course you emerge yourself and and you can start hearing it for what it is and enjoy it for what it is. But I think it's, it's a generational thing when you're first exposed to a kind of music, you just like that because that was your first way of hearing it. And the, and then you can go backwards and and maybe you still end up liking the other version better. It's just, it's just the, just the nature of the beast, I think. Right. 
Yeah, totally. But to me, it was interesting because I, I mean, we don't like music education here is something. I don't know if there's a, if there is a thing in in America. I believe it is, but here uh, it's not something common. So it's you know it's very it's hard to unless you you grow up in church or something like that. And uh, so for me, like guitar wasn't even a thing before I turned ten years old. But thankfully that happened. So that's wild. That is a I, wild thing. Yeah, it's I, I and I remember like because you know I used to go to church every Sunday and you know it's a charismatic church so guitars are present right. but to me it was just like ah whatever it's just an instrument but then like suddenly things just changed I was like well this is cool and this is when I started opening my mind but um, well probably all the guitar players born and raised here in Brazil they always. They always wish they 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 were born and raised in either in America or in the UK because that's how like you got. I mean, that's like your typical type of music, you know. And right. for us, we have like the samba, the bossa nova, which sure, is absolutely pretty much like you know something more like it's very groovy. It's uh, you know a lot of rhythms going on, and uh, but long story short, uh, like electric guitar is not something typical of my country and i'm talking about that music history you know sure. I mean? and uh we have brilliant uh guitar players over here but uh so that's what i'm trying to say it's just like oh it's so complex it was so so complicated back in the days because i was like ah that's not something that common here uh but um yeah so for me that's what pretty much well, that must have been pretty cool. I mean, I, I read that uh, John Mayer did say some nice stuff about your playing. So that must have been pretty, pretty cool to have an influence like that. Yeah, say nice man. Stuff. We interrupt this gristle infested conversation. We give a shout out to our friends at Fishman Transducers, makers of the Greg Cox signature gristle tone pickups. Can you dig that? And our friends at Wildwood Guitars in Louisville, Colorado. Dig it all. That Instagram world is crazy because I've met a lot of random, uh, virtually, I, I met a lot of uh, people that I would never imagine. Uh, this, I think, was two months ago. The Do you know Lewis Hamilton? The, I forgot, the F1 driver? Oh, like yeah, a yeah. Legend. So he, he messaged me after a video that I posted. And I was like, he was like, bro, you were a legend. Well, thanks for posting this. It really touched my heart. I was like, what the freak? Like ah. those things that he would never imagine, you know? And there's uh, Kelly Slater, the surf guy. Uh -huh. I was like, I didn't even know who Kelly Slater was. And then when I showed it to my friend, he was like, bro, you gotta be kidding like, me. He's the goat. And like ah. those things, you know? <laughs> And then, uh, but when John Mayer started following me on Instagram, I totally freaked out. I was like, no, this is not. This can't this be is, real. This is not happening. But, well, that's a, definitely a positive thing about, you know, the social media nowadays. Like you make bridges something totally reachable, you know. It's, it's, it's something that it's 
easier to achieve because I imagine right. back in the days, you know, for example, you know, in the eighties or something like even like to see a concert or, you know, to, uh, for example, like the, oh, I want to learn something from Steve Vai or from right. whoever. Uh, it, it would probably be so hard because you guys only had guitar magazines or right. sometimes uh, those instructional videos. So, right. and nowadays you just have a lot of information, but it, yeah. it is, it's, it, you know, we, I've talked about this a few times uh, with various different folks about uh, how it's really kind of the golden age of learning, but it's also kind of the golden age of being able to just be able to do what you do. And there's no middleman in between. So for instance, you know, obviously you're like probably the greatest example of it, of, you know, back in the day in order to um, there was, well, everything had, there, there were exceptions, but you know, in order to achieve a mass audience, it, it, it was very hard for it to happen organically. You know, you couldn't just post content someplace and people could go, hey, that's cool and share it and so on and so forth. It was, it was a process. Oh, I got to get on the radio. Well, how do you get on the radio? Mm. Well, you got to get a record deal. You got to do this. You got to get so on. So, well, how am I getting any press? Well, you got, you know, it was this whole thing that happened uh, of which seemed like an insurmountable gauntlet, especially if you weren't, um, you know, tidally fit into a category. You know what I mean? And of course, my yeah. thing was always multifaceted. Is it blues? Yes. Well, you're you're too rock for blues. Oh, you're too blues for rock. Or you're jazzy. You're not jazzy. You know what I mean? So there was yeah. it was hard to get put into a category. But all of a sudden, the internet happens, and you can do whatever you want. And all of a sudden, there's this platform where if people dig it, it's it's also one of these things. I was thinking about this before I was uh, when I was getting dressed today. I knew I was going to be talking with you. Is that you know, I think that there is a um, um, there's a misnomer that, you know, the music industry is a, is a really a meritocracy and mm. and that the cream always rises to the top. And mm. um, and I will say that that is not true. <laughs> Dude, I have I have a challenge to myself, man. I got to learn at least the basics of playing slide guitar before I turn 30 because Dang, that's that thing's so hard, dude. I can't play this. It's so complicated. I <laughs> well, uh, yeah, there's a, you know, I played it forever and ever and ever. Uh, oh. I think I first first started off. I started doing it, but it just seemed at one point, you know, it's there was like guys that did it all the time and always had the guitars tuned and the key, keys. And then I was like, I don't want to be carrying around extra guitars and different tunings. I don't want to be retuning during gigs. It's just, I, I just didn't want to do it. So then I started learning more standard tuning slide stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Warren Haynes started playing with the Allman Brothers and he did his stuff in standard tuning. And I'm like, man, that sounds a lot like Dwayne and he's in standard tuning. So then I started to kind of get into it again a little bit more and started doing it more at gigs. Um, and then I heard Derek Trucks. I heard Derek early on. Uh, because I knew some people kind of in the Allman Brothers circle that said, gave me a tape, said, you got to check out this kid. And I listened to it. I was like, what? what? <laughs> and so that re-inspired me again. Um, but it, but then a couple of years, and then I got this, um, I got this record called Sacred, uh, it was a CD called Sacred Steel. And uh, it's, it's basically where, you know, Robert Randolph kind of comes out of that school and Aubrey Gant and these guys. And that's where Dwayne, our, our, Derek got a lot of that kind of that gospel phrasing stuff. Mm. 
So if you can find that, it's called Sacred Steel. It's this compilation of these guys playing in these churches where instead of having like traditional, you know, Hammond organ or whatever in these, you know, uh, Baptist churches, it was more lap steel and pedal steel guitar. So they're doing oh. all those cool, like, oh. all that really cool stuff, right? Makes so sense. I started to listen to that and so on and so forth. So again, I, but I just, I couldn't understand uh, why um, Derek's, um intonation was so good i thought this it must be because he just all he plays a slide all the time but of course his conventional mm. playing is frightening as well but um and then i saw jack pearson down I, i'd seen jack pearson with the almond brothers then i saw him at a little club down in in um uh nashville i actually took a lesson with him i'm like you know i gotta uh. figure out the mindset of these of the, someone who plays slide like that so i got with them and and the one thing I really wanted to know, he's like, well, he did this thing where he would play something in standard, just like traditional fingering. And then he would repeat it right away with the slide to kind of get his intonation together. I'm like, oh, that's cool. So I started doing that. Uh, but it still didn't help for all those real kind of like pentatonic vocally, like, you know, all that kind of stuff that you hear that you hear these, uh, especially Derek do. And, and certainly, you know, Robert Randolph on these guys. So uh, one day I wanted to figure out one of those um, uh, kind of East Indian tunes. Um, I can't remember the name of the song, but Derek does. He does this medley it was from his live record. And I actually wanted to figure it out because I wanted, I, would do, I was doing kind of some slide-ish things that weren't done with the slide. And so I started figuring out and I was like, wait a minute. So I, then I grabbed the slide. And then what I figured out is I, I started just pressing down with the slide on the fretboard. And actually, mm. just for a split second, so I would fret it and I'd get the intonation, then pop up again to do the vibrato and so on and so forth. But then I could do those faster runs by actually pressing down with the slide on the fingerboard. So then that like totally opened up for me. So you oh. can, so it's like one of those things where you can play a line and then repeat it by actually pressing down with the slide just for a split second to check the intonation. And then when you add the vibrato, you do it over over the, wow. the fret. So then I started doing that. And then another buddy of mine, Rick Vito is an unbelievable slide player. He does some of those cascading things as well, but he doesn't press down. And then I realized he did a thing where he kind of slid up first. Every time he would do one of those like faster, like descending pentatonic vocal type of things, he'd always slide up first. And for some reason that and the centrifugal force or whatever it is of just going, he was able to kind of control the intonation. So then I started messing around with that as well. And so now I don't fret as much with the slide because it does, it, it you got to be real careful because yeah. it choke it out and kind of sound like one of, you know, it sounds weird, but it's, it's cool to do it sometimes where you can hear the frets going by and anyway, so it's, it's been a long <laughs> process, but those little things have really helped out. So it's fun for me to play sliding. And I, I, I do play in the different tunings, but most of all, I'll do it. Standard. In standard. Sorry, we, we, and, got uh, off, we got off the train oh, no. there. From no, that's so, no, I mean, this is just me fan girling over you, man, because I, uh, I mean, I, I saw the video and I was like, dang it. Cause you know, you're a freaking master, but then playing slide guitar is definitely something that, I've never got the discipline to learn. I took lessons, I mean, a, a quarter when I was at MI, but for me, it was always so hard, especially to do the vibrato. Like it's something, right. maybe, I don't know, maybe I I, I got the wrong slide because my fingers are very, you know, short. And, uh, and to me, especially when I go after the uh, 12th fret, it's, I don't have any control. 
for me, it's just uh, like it gets like totally like independent. And I'm like, this sounds horrible because I mean, we all we always speak in terms of intonation. We always want to sure. sound like exactly on the right frequency. I mean, not sound out of tune. And right. then uh, uh, when I try to do that, the control is for me, it's like it, it gets so tiring. And I don't know, maybe I, I just need to find the right one. And of course, t- take more time. Uh, how how often do you do you practice? It's like uh, it's not every day, but during the week, it's definitely a few times a week where I'll just go. It's 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 slide time. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. So see, for me, it's like I grab a slide to mess around with, probably like every two months, three months, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spe- especially when I see videos like yours, like something <laughs> that you post in, and I'm like, dang it, I gotta practice this thing because I don't know crap about it but anyway. well, I, I will say one thing that that helped is i do use my third finger and mm-hmm. uh and, and that's you know Dwayne allman did so i thought well Dwayne did it but i noticed that you know if you use your pinky you can definitely use your other fingers to do cording yeah. and whatnot uh but the problem is that the pinky is always kind of going a little bit this way on the neck you know what i mean it's not it's not perpendicular yeah. it's always going like that and the third finger is always like just straight up you can it's easier to keep it perpendicular and it's yeah. easier to keep it evenly distributed over all the strings as opposed to being kind of bottom heavy you know what i mean yeah so I, I find that 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 has helped quite a bit and you can still fret with the other fingers that's one of the things i learned from jack pearson too is that jack he would do like you know he'd do uh west montgomery octaves and stuff and play these chords while he had his slide on i'm like well it can be done because he's doing it <laughs> so then totally that just motivated me to do it more, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where, um, yeah, I, I find that now because I, I have these methods of kind of checking the intonation by pressing down with the slide. That's kind of a good way to kind of come out of the gate with the, with the intonation. And actually from doing that, it, it has bettered my intonation across the board. It's, it was a real kind of a weird, um, uh, ear training exercise that once I mm. got it into my ear, that it was easy to do, those kind of um, faster but precise descending, you know, pentatonic-y kind of vocal runs. Uh, it helped me both singing-wise. It helped me with my other playing as well because it, it just, it kind of tightened things up. It was weird, but it's, totally. it, it, it worked. Uh, which is a great. last question before we uh, go <laughs> back. Um, do you change a guitar that has a, a higher action to practice is light or no it's it's exactly the same it's, gotcha. so Good to know I, but i like the lighter slides because then you don't press down as hard mm-hmm. and so therefore you're you're not going to bottom out as much but the other mm-hmm. thing too with slide is i uh, because i'm playing in standard tuning i learned this right hand muting technique uh so yeah, i don't notice you did you did a thing like i like i you played with this finger and then you just kind of put this another finger kind of to cover the other strings yeah yeah so i i I kind of i have my ring finger on the um let's see what i got here yeah third finger on the high e string middle finger on the b string first finger on the g string and then the thumb drapes over the bottom three strings gotcha and i kind of keep that as the template so when i pluck the b string i'm using that middle finger and all the other strings are quiet but when i do like faster stuff i'll always kind of revert to the thumb and first finger 
but then I'll just use my other fingers to keep every, all the other strings quiet. But then I always go back to that initial position. So it takes yeah. a little while to do. I was real lame at it at first, yeah. but <laughs> but once you do it, it's you can keep all the things quiet. You don't hear all the extra noise, and, yeah. and plus it just as you well know, it's, there's something about fingers on the strings that just sounds more emotive. Yeah. Totally. Absolutely. That's awesome. <laughs> yes. I was in the middle of, of oh, I know, I know what I was asking you. I was going to say that um, we were talking about the music business and so on and so forth. And, and, and the way I phrase, I always try not to sound like, you know, jaded McCorkendale because I'm not, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I enjoy what I get to do and I, and I'm cool in the gang, but I, but I think that there's a, uh, there's a misnomer that a lot of people have that the cream always rises to the top. And I always just go, well, sometimes it does, but it's not a rule. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, sometimes it just has to be good enough. And then they, you know, the rest of it is just, you know, used by brute force and guile to put something over. But at the same token, uh, every now and again, organically, some things go through that are truly extraordinary. And I would say you're definitely one of them. I mean, you know, um, it's not about some uh, other more, um, shall we say, shallow presentation or something. Not that there's anything wrong with that for somebody. I'm not mm -hmm. saying that. But here's just a guy sitting down playing guitar, and it's amazing, which is uh, which is really cool to see. Especially, you know, so many things are uh, in this day and age uh, derivative, and that again, it's all good. But yours was something where it was I, it was a really cool kind of a collection of all these different things, and it was just great music. You know what I mean? So, but one of the things I wanted to ask is I'm thinking about this is that there mm -hmm. seems to be a lot of that kind of gospely chord chops in your thing. Mm -hmm. um, but not in a derivative sense, just in a very beautiful, cause I love gospel courting and neo soul stuff and so on and so forth. I know, although it's, it seems like somehow that's become kind of a taboo thing. People are, Oh, another neo soul guitar player on Instagram, like whatever. Totally. But, but the stuff that you do is such an interesting spice of that stuff. And I'm wondering where did that come from? Where is, was there uh, uh, some a bunch of different guys you listen to or girls or whatever the case may be. Who who were your influences to get, get that kind of style going? I think that was I'm like the most thankful for is uh, Tori Kelly, which was the artist that I played my first gig in America. I mean, okay. as a professional musician, and because uh, when I joined Tori Kelly, I was a month after my graduation, so. And I, I don't remember like getting to know much about R&B and, you know, ne to be honest, I didn't even know what Neo Soul was. Right. Like I, uh, this Japanese magazine, they sent me an email and just, and they're just like, oh yeah, we're, we want to do an interview about Neo Soul style. And you were like a great example for that. And I'm like, wow, I, I'm sorry, but I, I, I didn't even know that I was considering Neo Soul guitar player. <laughs> That's fantastic. So, and then I start to Google and, and say, oh, okay, so Neo Soul, okay, is there, uh, you know, like those. But, uh, but Tori Kelly was a very important um, uh, person to mention about this because when I auditioned for her and then I got the gig, uh, so she was saying like, oh, I kind of hear a lot of the John Mayer influence on your playing, but uh, uh, it would be nice because I, she was, I mean, that's her saying, uh, I'm very, um, I'm very influenced by Lauren Hill and uh, D'Angelo. Mm -hmm. And uh, it would be nice for you to start checking out this uh, style because again, we're talking about timing and uh, 
you know, I grew up listening to a lot of, you know, rock and Christian music, which, you know, you know, how rock is, it's not something too much to blow, to mess around with the, the groove much. It's pretty right. much like, okay, you gotta be tight, you know? Right. And then, um, when I, uh, with Tori, it was a lot of things. And I remember like, uh, Charles Streeter, which was, uh, her, uh, drummer at the time, he was always saying like, yo, just watch out a little bit about your timing because if for this type of style, you kind of got to be a little more like uh, uh, behind the beat. You got to right. play more behind the beat. And for me, I had no clue what behind the, the beat would sound like. I was like, no, this felt wrong. Like this doesn't sound good. <laughs> and then he was like, no, no, try to understand. Like, you know, and then he was like, open your Pro Tools or your software and try to record and see like, you know, there's the bars over here. So you gotta be, a little, you know, a little bit like the more behind that, like that, that means the behind the beat. So I remember right. like just trying to understand that concept. And um, so anyway, and so this is when I started listening a little bit more of the R&B, which is very influenced by the gospel and, and playing with Tori Kelly was a lot of that. So I start searching and listening more of those uh, those music. So D'Angelo, Lauren Hill, and uh, everything would start making more sense. And then I, uh, then this uh, uh, Charles Streeter, the drummer, he was a very friend and he was uh, trying to help me out a lot. So he was like, and he's from Memphis. So he was mentioning a lot of uh, the, the Memphis guys, the Tennessee guys. So he was like, yeah, man, you got to check this guy out. This, uh, his name is Jubu. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he was like, yeah, check this guy. And then he mentioned about Eric Walls. Eric Walls, yeah. And then uh, I was like, oh, okay. So that makes sense. And then I was like, oh, wow. And Isaiah so, Sharkey's another one. He's so, a Isaiah, yeah, exactly. And then uh but those are like the the first influences that I that I got and uh and I'm like again very thankful for being part of Tori Kelly's band because this is how I got introduced to those things. Right. And I was just like, okay, this is my homework time. So I start looking up to those things, start to understand a little bit of how it is. And uh yeah, but so I connected those things with uh, what I learned at in school because I had this class called Jimi Hendrix Rhythm Guitar, which has yes. a lot of those feels and, you know, double stops kind of stuff. So, and that was a game changing to me. I was like, yeah, I want to play like Hendrix because I, I forgot to mention about John Frusciante, but he was a big influence to me in the, in the beginning. And uh, John Frusciante, even though he's more like a riff creator, but right. he was like, uh, I, I love the way how he, he used the, you know, the, the feels in between, you know, very Hendrix influenced. Right. And absolutely. I was like, yeah, that's, that's what I want. So anyway, so I kind of connected this two atmospheres and kind of put in that way. Uh, but again, I had no clue if like playing, cause to me, I was like, well, why am I neo soul? Is it because of my chord progression? Is it because of my guitar tone? Because like to me, nothing of that made too much sense, you know. But then I started looking up, and I was like, okay, so yeah, it kind of makes sense. So 
long story short, like I had no clue, but naturally things kind of got in a way that I was like, okay, cool. If, if people are categorizing me as a neo so guitar player, so wow, so that's what I am. But but to me, well, I, I, I get the point, but yeah, so everything started around 2015 when I joined Tori Kelly's band and then she started to introduce me, introducing me to those elements. So cool. Yeah. That's but it's, well, it's, you, it's have a, you have, a, you have assimilated it very well. It's very, very cool. So how, but how would you define Neo Soul? What is Neo Soul? Honestly? I don't even like, know. I mean, I just, I mean, I, I kind of just, I guess I think of, you know, um, uh, you know, the D'Angelo <laughs> stuff, certainly that, you know, kind of the gospelly infused uh, contemporary R&B, I guess that that's that, okay. that uses uses kind of the chord progressions and stuff that are vaguely reminiscent of old soul tunes, but yet done with contemporary instrumentation and maybe some electronica hip hop elements that weren't in there. Gotcha. Before, but, but the guitar pl- stuff very much kind of gospelly infused along with you know the curtis mayfield and hendrix isms that might be you know what i mean that's what i think anyway it makes sense yeah it makes sense yeah so like my 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 old side you know back in the days uh progressive listener dream theater listeners i was like dang it don't consider yourself a neo soap guy but the fact that i play those things so it kind of like okay yeah whatever but again like my my essence of listening was pretty much um, rock centered, but right. maybe that's one of the reasons why like people are always like, Oh yeah, this guy, whatever. But yeah, it's nice to combine in different styles. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like for you, like playing blues and rock. I mean, I, I love those things, you know, like I, I remember when I found out about Philip says, Oh yeah. To me, and I, I mean, I, it's not, I don't like branding and categorizing artists, but when I first heard his stuff, I was like, dang, that's, this guy feels like Steve Ray on steroids because right. his vibrato, because it's like, he, he, his phrasing is very Steve Ray influenced, yeah. but the way his vibratos and stuff, it feels like Zach Wilde playing a Strat guitar. Right. So I was like, dang, this is insane. Cause I've never, watch the guitar player like doing that vibrato so strong with so much you know balls right so i was like this is cool like mixing those different elements it's great like rock blues and you know even for the neo so perspective too but yeah so that's pretty much well let me ask you this so what what are your because you're a you're a young man by god what what are some of your goals and and aspirations uh, as far as uh, your musical career? What, what would you like to see happen? Or are you of the, hey, in the moment, I'm going to do this and this and this, and I'm just kind of open for whatever happens? Or are you like, no, this this and this and this is going to happen? I mean, what, are, what are your thoughts on your future activities? Well, I believe my first priority, even though I don't think this is what's going on in my life at the moment, so this is kind of frustrating answer, but it's definitely come up with my with something to release honestly i i just have this desire you know because i've i've been carrying this thoughts of 
man, please cut up something, come up with something, release something on the music platforms. And even now, like my followers and fans, even friends, they're always like, yeah, dude, it's nice seeing you playing on Instagram and the socials, but we want to hear, I, I want to be able to go on Spotify and search on your name and be able to listen to your music. So I... I have this, but I believe I kind of put this too much. So I'm kind of overthinking. And probably that's one of the reasons why I'm still struggling in the process of finalizing all that. Sure. But my main priority would be to finish the songs. And again, probably the fact that I post uh, stuff consistently on my social media kind of put me in a like this thing on my side of like just getting annoyed of whatever I come up with. <laughs> so it's kind of hard for me because if I, if I could show you the folder of all my pro tools projects with songs or unfinished songs, I believe I have more than like 50, but for me, it's always like, ah, I don't know. This is already too yeah, much. I hear you. Like I, so for me, I, I think I just need to be a push a little bit less on my on myself and just like, okay, cool, just put out and organize things a little bit better. That's why I crave for a, a help of a producer, of somebody on my side to give me the instructions of like, no, this is good. This could be a song, like just work on right. that. Because for me, I think I... I, I think I struggle too much on that, like picking songs, picking melodies, because again, we're, I mean, we are always searching for guitar stuff all the time. So we play guitar all the time. So we always like, and for me, I get in a point that I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is too much. This is, I can, I can't stand this again. But I, again, I, I, I gotta understand what I really want in terms of music, like sure. what my music taste wants to like send this to, to my followers or my, my, my fans. Uh, so yeah, this is by far the first priority. I got to release something and I've been trying, unfortunately, you know, the pandemic kind of stopped me to work with different people, but I absolutely would love to come up with, an album ready uh, to right. release, and um, and again, uh, I don't I don't feel like oh yeah I want to stop touring with different artists. I believe it's a it's something that it was very important to me, and because I've learned so much from playing different styles and you know playing with different musicians as well with a different music backgrounds. So it's something that I don't want to disconnect forever. Probably I don't want to be like a, a, a permanent touring musician. Sure. Because like I can't stand long tours, you know, like for me, like especially playing for somebody else is too much. Like I, I unfortunately, I have this thing. I'm just like, oh, I, I'm, I'm done. So if if I could work it out, my personal career as a guitar player and separate a seasonal part of the year to tour with another uh, musician, uh, another artist, that's my, that would be a very um, dream. You know, I, sure. I think that would be like, well, a goal. 
for myself, at least for now, because I'm still, you know, I'm still in my 20s. I'm 26. I believe I still have some years. Oh, yeah. I had to do that because we all know touring could be very tiring. And after a while, you want to spend time with family. You know, you want to be around. And uh, yeah, so I believe I still have those years to spend. But and so maybe after 30s, my mind would change completely. But sure. right well, you now, got, my, you got plenty of time. And <laughs> <laughs> now my biggest desire is to that, to focus total, like way more on my musical uh, career and, uh, you know, share a little bit more of my creations and, uh, you know, try to help others with, you know, the music knowledge, the guitar knowledge that I that I have at the moment, because again, there's a lot of stuff that only the experience could reveal to people, you know, like I could teach a pentatonic lick, but that's just, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, a noodling thing, but, you know, stories behind like how to behave into music tours, you know, how to preparation for this and that, you know, this is something that not to like you don't see much. It's it's hard to explain unless you go right. practice, you know, experience it. Right. So for me, it's something that I, I have a passion for it. Like just share thoughts and share like, oh, how could you prepare for this or for, you know, other stuff? And uh, well, hopefully, you know, after this pandemic goes out. Thankfully, yes. Hopefully. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, yeah, that's that would be my... A goal and another thing. Sorry, man. I speak. That's so all right. Much, go ahead. That's great. But um, I want to try because I know I'm pretty. Uh, I'm not as good in uh, in terms of explaining stuff, but I want to force myself a little better to try to explain. You know, to uh, um, share my thoughts in terms of. I mean, become an instructional player as well sure. like I, I would love to come up with something as well in terms of theories and uh, explain this to to people well, let's see well it's one of those things too when when you have to deconstruct what you do it actually makes you better because it's kind of like oh I guess this is what I'm doing so I've, I have found anyway that when I have to deconstruct what I'm doing to explain it to others I actually learn more because it might open up some doors of, oh, well, I guess what I'm really doing is this. And then you're like, it, it kind of, you know what I mean? It kind of helps you yeah. refine your own playing. And um, plus I'm a big believer in you got to give to get, you know what I'm saying? It's not like oh, you, yeah, it's not like you, it's not like it's Machiavellian where like, I got to give X amount away. So I get so much, you know, it's not that, but you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. It's like you, I've just found that the things that have turned out the best for me is things I don't even think about, but I just, I just do them and I, I guess it involves giving away things and I don't even think about it. But as, as after the fact, I'm like, it seems like all the doors opened up when it's not all about me. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, man. That's, that's one of the things because uh, I remember I was so focused on like, Oh yeah, man, I got to put up this content of my guitars. And, but then when, when you put this into actions, you, you, you got the conclusion of it. And then I was like, no, no, no. Yeah. You gotta, yeah. The more, I mean, the less you just think about yourself, the better. This is when you start learning more. You know? Right. And, 
but well that's i mean when we when we jammed i was like yeah see like this is so good because again uh, i believe now that we have the power you know like the internet gives us this sensation of power so that kind of in a how can i say non-predictable way kind of makes us to focus way more on the individual like we become very individualist of like no no no, it's my thing it's my thing but at the same time when you kind of go the opposite way there's so much to learn about yes and uh it was just amazing when you know after watching the video of us jamming i was like wow it's so nice to see because again the interaction was so amazing i was like well it's been such a long time because i i jamming with another people it's it, another person something that i don't do much and mm -hmm. then when i when that happened i was like well this is nice i love it i love it it was amazing it was a blast we'll have to do it again <laughs> oh yeah dude absolutely and hopefully with more time you know yes. you and without know. people hunching over us That's the thing, dude. Nam scares me the hell of me. I'm always like, oh my gosh, what's going on here? But it's, well, it it's is, nice I mean, to have it's, that. It's such a, I mean, again, it's just, you know, it is what it is. And I, I, it's so weird that anytime you pick up a guitar and play, you know, and again, it's, it's not like, oh, poor me. People actually care about you playing guitar. You know, I'm not whining about it. But by the same token, is that every time you pick up a guitar and play in public, someone's got a phone out. And more often than yeah. not, it's going to be on YouTube within the hour. So, so it, there's really, you know, you got to keep your, your level of playing up or at very least just be like, you know what? You just can't care what people say one way or the other. I mean, totally. I, I've come to the point where it's like, you know, I'm aware of what people say because you want to be able to refine what you do. But at the same token, it's like, I don't put any emotional attachment to what anybody says for the good or Absolutely. the bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, now I think to me, like the challenge that I have, that I have on my mind. And again, this is because probably I overthink it's like, because I'm very like people know me the most for the Instagram. So they're always have, they, I, most people never saw me playing in real life. So they're always like, Oh, let's see. How is this guy like oh, not yeah. in front of the cameras? Like not not when he's in the room, like in in his bedroom playing guitar. Right, you know what I mean? right. Because and I get it. Like when you are in your bedroom, you could pick the better take. You have a lot of opportunities. You could spend the whole freaking afternoon just playing the whole lick. And okay, sure. yeah, this is the good one. And when you're like, okay, let's see if this guy's the real deal, you know? So yeah, I mean, but I love it. At the same time, it's like, oh, uh, it's great. I love having this feeling of like okay cool let's let's just go for it right but but yeah Goodness. we gotta do it one absolutely. more time another time for sure absolutely well listen i've taken up enough of your time this has been fantastic thank you so much for spending some time with us and talking through your process and your influences and it's just been a blast i'm a big fan and uh good luck down there in brazil i look forward to when you come back And I'd like to get down to Brazil at some point. So, you know, it's one of the only places I've never been to South America. I'd love to get down oh, there. Oh, wow. One of these yeah, days. Yeah, man. Well, people really respect and admire your playing here, I'm pretty sure. And I'm, dude, you're more than welcome. And uh, it would be a very pleasure for us to have you here. Well, and one of these days you. we'll make it happen. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for having me. I have a great, I really had a great time with you guys. It's so nice 
you know, talking to you and um, I hope we can, you know, cross our paths again. Not Absolutely. only virtually, but Indeed. Too. All right, my Sounds friend, thank great. you so much. And we'll hope to Thanks, see you man. soon. Stay safe, as they Sounds say. That's great, man. <laughs> All right. Have a Thanks, good one. Brother. You Bye-bye. too. Thank you so much, folks, for tuning in. Special thank you to Wildwood Guitars of Louisville, Colorado, and the mighty Fishman Transducers for making this podcast possible. If you enjoyed yourself, ladies and gentlemen, please subscribe and review so that people can get the word out that this is worth experiencing. Can you dig it? Thanks again. We'll see you soon, or you'll hear me soon. <laughs>